I'm Bonnie Glazer, Director of the China Power Project at the Center for Strategic and International Studies. In this episode of the China Power Podcast, we're taking a look at the recent dynamics in the U.S.-China relationship. U.S.-China relations are in a downward spiral. The year 2020 opened with the signing of a phase one trade deal, but bilateral ties soon began to sour. Disputes have arisen over a growing litany of issues, including the COVID-19 pandemic, the new national security law in Hong Kong, and tit-for-tat measures have been taken uh, closing consulates in both countries. There's been differences over the Chinese camps in Xinjiang, the South China Sea, Taiwan, and the Chinese app TikTok. U.S.-China strategic competition is intensifying and spreading from the more traditional military, economic, and diplomatic realms into the ideological sphere. Some experts see the emergence of a new Cold War, and many observers, both Chinese and Americans, are warning of an increased possibility of a military accident or even confrontation. Beijing and Washington blame the other side for the deterioration in the bilateral relationship. Dialogue mechanisms have atrophied, and both the short and long-term outlooks for improved ties really seem quite negative, creating anxiety not only in the U.S. and China, but also in many capitals around the world. To discuss the changing U.S.-China relationship and the trajectory of these bilateral ties, I am joined by Lu Xiang. Lu Xiang is currently director for research at the Hong Kong-based Chinese Institute of Hong Kong, which is an affiliate of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences in Beijing, and he is also a research fellow at the Institute of American Studies with CAS. Lu Xiang, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. I haven't seen you for a long time. Well, it's good to talk, even if it's virtually. I'm so looking forward to hearing your views. So, what do you think are the reasons for the rapid deterioration in U.S.-China relations in the past four years? What's your perspective? First of all, I agree with you. The deterioration is rapid. Actually, it's deteriorated dramatically in the past months. So, first we know that in the past two years, the two countries were involved in intensive negotiation on the trade deal, and fortunately, it was signed on the fifteenth of January. And at that day, I was in Hong Kong, and I got up in the early morning and watched the ceremony. So at that time, I thought the relation of our two countries will get better, and a stable relationship was expected, both on the China side and on the U.S. side. But unfortunately, just a few days, we saw the outbreak of the coronavirus, and then when the virus. When to spread、uh, in the U.S. things changed totally. So the major reason in my mind is that the U.S. government was not prepared for the outbreak, and then things got uncontrolled, and then the president and his close circle found that blaming China could be useful. For the re-election of the president, so we saw a playbook for the election. So now the current situation, in my mind, is a byproduct of the domestic politics of the United States. 
Well, I certainly agree with you that domestic politics has become a driver of the deterioration of the relationship recently. But of course, if we look at this over a broader, longer term period, there are so many factors and some of them structural, but also I think at least need to consider that there are other drivers than domestic politics. And We've recently seen an interview with Foreign Minister Wang Yi and then a very important lengthy article that just came out by Yang Jiechi, a Politburo member. And neither of these assume any responsibility for China in the downturn in the bilateral relationship. So from your perspective, do you think that China bears any responsibility? I don't think so. You know, in the past 40 years, our two countries are engaged quite closely, but so many differences have not caused the tension like the tension today. So I don't think China has done anything wrong. If we say there's something wrong, it might be that we successfully contained the virus. That make quite a lot of people outside China unpleasant. They thought that China should be defeated by the virus, but actually it take two months for the Chinese government to successfully contain the virus. That's a miracle, but it makes a lot of people unpleasant. But if we look at the period before the mm-hmm. virus even started and evaluate all the other drivers that yeah. led to the Trump administration framing the a U.S.-China relationship as a rivalry and one of strategic competition. Yeah. And of course, that goes back to the national security strategy of December yeah. 17, and then all the actions the Trump administration took because of what was seen as an unfair trade relationship and Chinese stealing of intellectual property, and of course, yeah. many other actions. So I think that these are some of the reasons why Americans think that China's behavior led to the U.S. reactions to them. So if we look before the pandemic, do you think that China should bear some responsibility? Yes. So if we look back to the beginning of the Trump administration, the first year uh, was quite good. President Xi going to the United States and in November 27. President Trump came to China. It was fine for the relationship. And uh, from 2018, the trade dispute started. And it took shorter than two years for the two countries to get a deal. So on the 15th of January, I thought, okay, both sides made some compromise on the trade issue, on the intellectual rights, and uh, some other issues. Uh, The phase one trade deal was not a perfect one, but it represents an, how to say, an understanding between our two countries. And that time I was looking to further negotiation of the phase two or even phase three trade deals. So it was okay on the January 15th. Yeah, but things got totally changed in March. So that's, that's stunning. And uh, I feel really sad about that. Are there debates in China among experts who study the United States about the causes of U.S.-China tensions and the future of U.S.-China relations? There are a lot of 
talks about that, and uh, there is no consensus here. But the major difference is about uh, whether the bad relation now is a short-time phenomenon or will be a long-time status quo, uh, yeah, maybe for years or even for decades. Yeah, so there are a lot of talks here. And uh, my view is that currently there are a lot of difficulties between our two countries. But the first thing for me is that now, because of the pandemic, the exchange of people between our two countries are actually impossible. And people cannot sit together. That's a paramount uh, issue for me. What is the U.S. policy currently toward China that worries you most? Is it economic policy and steps being taken to pull supply chains out of China and to couple the U.S. and Chinese economies? Or is it policy toward Taiwan, the South China Sea, or something else? All these things are worrying, but uh, for me, there are two things in my mind that's most serious. But both things are domestic issues in the U.S. First is the election. Uh, I'm worried about whether the election of this year will smoothly. Uh, the second thing is about the U.S. economy. There's no doubt now the U.S. is in a serious, in a great recession and the recession is unprecedented. So what I'm worried is that if the economy goes worse and worse, and then what kind of policies the U.S. government will take, no matter it's Mr. Trump or Mr. Biden, it's a long-term thing for, in my mind, uh, and that worries me quite a lot. And now it seems to me the only economic tool of the U.S. government is to issue more U.S. dollars. But if that's the only tool on the U.S. side, that's dangerous. So that's the thing in my mind. The other thing in my mind is the one I just mentioned, that there's no exchange. I mean, face-to-face -face meetings between our two peoples. That's the real risk. Uh, people cannot, on the two sides, cannot understand each other. We've recently heard a spate of speeches from senior U.S. officials on China, and Secretary of State Pompeo said in his speech that the United States is trying to mobilize a coalition of countries to push back against China. And he also called for empowering the Chinese people, basically to induce change in China. So, Given the statements like these and others that have been made, how would you describe the goal of U.S. policy toward China? Yeah, Secretary Pompeo speaks very loudly, but actually I don't understand what he means. Uh, does he mean that uh, he want, uh, the U.S. will take uh, a policy, uh, how to say, to make uh, a regime change in China or something uh, like that? I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't believe the U.S. government will formulate a policy based on this kind of ideological rhetoric. And uh, on the other side, I don't see uh, President Trump 
saying anything about that. So it's a mystery for me. Yeah, why、uh, Secretary Pompeo and some other high-ranking officials like、uh, Attorney General, yeah, and、uh, the FBI director. So I don't understand. Actually, it's not a time for two countries to be engaged in a cold war or something like that. And I don't believe our two countries will be engaged in a real ideological. War, yeah. China has no intention and has no、uh, interest to launch a war of this kind. Many experts say that if Donald Trump wins a second term, that that would be <laughs> beneficial to、yeah. China, especially since we see Trump weakening U.S. alliances and withdrawing from international organizations like the World Health Organization, and that. As this narrative goes, that this has enabled Beijing to present itself as a more responsible player and a country that should, in fact, lead in the future. And we know that Xi Jinping has called for China to lead global governance reform. So, do you agree with this? Is the Trump administration good for China? Is another four years in China's interests? <laughs> It's a difficult question to me. Actually, there are quite a lot of. Pundits here are talking about that.、Uh, you know, Mr. Trump got a Chinese name here, Chuan Jianguo, the China Builder. Yeah,、uh, some people think that Mr. Trump is destroying the the United States, and so China can rise because of the decline of the U.S. That's the ideas of some pundits. I don't share that. My view is whether Mr. Trump、uh, being the re-election or Mr. Biden. The VP Biden、uh, got being the election. The two countries have to go back on the right track to be rational in dealing each other. That's the right thing to do. China has no interest to confront U.S. in any way. How do you think that U.S. policy might change under a Biden administration? First of all, VP Biden has a lot of experience. In Washington D.C., and he was the VP for eight years. He has a lot of experience in foreign policy, and he's a rational person. So, first of all, I think if Biden wins the election, it's less difficult for the U.S. government to take a rational approach towards China. The current administration is. Difficult for us because you know,、uh, first of all, Mr. Trump said he would like to be unpredictable, and the U.S. as a nation should be unpredictable. But now, you know, under his leadership, the, the U.S. as a whole is really unpredictable. I think you know, Mr. Trump is a businessman, and、uh, for businessmen. Credibility and predictability are the major traits、uh, we should see.、Uh, so I expect if VP Biden wins, the two sides can be engaged in rational talks. It can be a grand bargain, but、uh, it will be rational. Several months ago, Reuters reported that an assessment by the Chinese Institutes of Contemporary International Relations、yeah. in April. Had concluded that, and I'll quote here: "Global anti-China sentiment is at its highest since the 1989 Tiananmen Square 
crackdown. And that has led people in the United States to think that, oh, if China recognizes that it has stimulated negative sentiment around the world, that it might rethink its policies. So I'm wondering if you agree with the assessment and then whether you think, if you do agree, that it might lead to any change in Chinese policies. Okay. First of all, I don't know whether CIR has ever hand a report of this kind to the government. I don't know. But I doubt, I seriously doubt, because, uh, you know, in our official language, we will never use a phrase like uh, Tiananmen Square crackdown. Our typical phrase is 1989 political turmoil. Yeah, we will never say the Tiananmen Square crackdown. So I don't think the Reuters has quoted accurately of a report if it exists. But uh, my assessment of the external environment for China is that actually it's not that bad, especially after the pandemic in the world. China has done, uh, first of all, uh, domestically, we have been quite successful in cracking down the virus. Either side, we provided many assistance to other countries, even in some developed countries like Italy. So we don't see a negative externalities, except the, our relation with the United States. It's really dangerous now, and I, I don't like to see it last too long. Since you're living in Hong Kong for a while, can you assess the impact of the national security legislation on U.S.-China relations? Do you anticipate that the actions that the U.S. is taking and really continues to roll out, and of course other countries as well, have condemned the national security law and are suspending their extradition treaties with Hong Kong. Do you think that this is going to have much of an impact? And particularly, of course, on the bilateral relationship. Is this a a major issue in the U.S.-China relationship going forward? No, I don't think so. Actually, Hong Kong issue is small. I spend quite much time now focusing on the Hong Kong-related issues, but this national security law implemented in Hong Kong actually is welcomed by the business leaders in Hong Kong, both local and foreign businessmen. And uh, as far as I know, even ordinary people uh, like a shopkeeper, uh, yeah, they like to see this kind of law because in the second half of last year, we saw too many uh, violence in that region. Uh, so this is the first thing. I think the national security law will give Hong Kong a better environment for development. On the specific thing of the extradition, it's interesting, and uh, it's interesting to me uh, to see that uh, the United States has not suspended the extradition treaty with Hong Kong, but some other countries of the Five Eyes has done that. It's a very small thing. We know that Hong Kong has extradition treaties uh, with some 19 countries, but as far as I know, from uh, 2014 to 18, actually there were only nine cases in which some fugitives are extradited to other countries. It's a, a very small issue for Hong Kong. And, you know, for the United States, it has not suspended that. And I hope they won't do it. Actually, a few years ago, we know a person called Snowden was in Hong Kong and uh, 
he was almost caught by the Hong Kong police, but because the U.S. government asked the Hong Kong government police to do that, but uh, unfortunately, the Department of Justice of the United States made a mistake in spelling the name of Mr. Snowden. So uh, it's a small issue. It's not a big deal. Lastly, um, if you could maybe look out over the next five or 10 years and describe what you think is the direction that U.S.-China relations is likely to head in. Do you think that our countries are going to find a way to peacefully coexist? Are we going to have a Cold War, which some experts in both the United States and China believe is increasingly likely. Some are even talking about the potential for military conflict. So where do you think we're going over the midterm? Actually, the Cold War is not that cold. During the period of the Cold War, we see quite many hot wars. Yeah, uh, in the Korean Peninsula, in Vietnam, all, all these kind of wars actually are involved the U.S. and uh, hundreds of thousands people died in that war. So the Cold War is imaginable in my mind. On the other side, the Cold War was between two blocks, not only two countries. And now we don't see such blocks in this war. If the U.S. and China got into kind of confrontation, this will be the scene just between our two countries. I don't expect to see other countries will be involved. So if there are kind of confrontation between our two countries, there will not be a Cold War in the 50s and the 60s, not a Cold War of that scale. scale. And the other side, we see that China has no interest and no intention to be involved in such a Cold War. So I don't see that. So for the next four or five years, I think, first of all, uh, our two countries should get into rational talks on how to coexist. We know there are competitions between our two countries, but the competitions should be rule-based. I believe it's also the desire on the U.S. side. So I hope a few months later, uh, after the election, our two countries will go back on the right track for rational talk. I think and I hope the current situation is a temporary one, and I hope for the long-term interest, we can sit together. But first, above anything else, I hope the U.S. government can contain the virus. If we are thinking about anything else, actually, this thing will happen only after the U.S. government will successfully contain the virus. If you don't, the things will, will get worse. Yeah, that's my, my worry. Yeah, I, I worry a lot about that. I don't say it's too late, but it's already late and very difficult. It's a daunting task for the U.S. government. Maybe for the next government, it's still a daunting task. So it's a difficult situation in the United States. And you know, uh, the... U.S. studies communities here, most members of the community has some affections to the U.S. We feel very sad, we feel sympathetic, and I hope the things could be done in the right way. One thing I want to say, yeah, here in China, even if the virus is already contained, wearing a mask is still 
kind of culture here. I hope the American people will get used to wearing a mask. That's uh, my suggestion to all American people. Well, thank you so much, uh, Lu Xiang, for joining us today and talking about U.S.-China relations. Lu Xiang is uh, currently Director for Research at the Hong Kong-based Chinese Institute of Hong Kong, which is affiliated with CAS in Beijing. And he remains a research fellow at the Institute of uh, American Studies at CAS as well. So uh, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you, Bonnie. I'd like to see you in person. Well, I hope we can do that soon.